0: Welcome back for another nerdy episode where books and drinking go hand in hand and where foreshadowing and bizarre theories are all the buzz. Now get ready as we crack open and crack up over our new novels. I'm Aiden Galloway. I'm Bryn Plyler and this is Sips and Subtext.
1: The following podcast contains strong language, references to alcohol and sexual behavior, and books and characters we don't own. Hey,
0: Brynn. How are you doing? I'm good, Aiden. I'm just, just swell. How is it up in chilly
1: Tennessee? It's good. They're saying we might get some snow tonight. I don't think it's gonna stick, though. It's just gonna be cold and wet, which is my least favorite. Mm -hmm. So
0: I'm sure Miami is as beautiful as ever. It was actually overcast today, which was, you know, very dreary and saddening, but... You know, overall it was a good day. It was uh, a little rainy, but it was still like seventy something degrees, and I can't complain. I'm always cold. so seventy degrees and up is good for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, just moving right ahead
1: um to some housekeeping. So the first thing I wanted to mention is in our last episode, some of you guys may have been listening and heard some discrepancies in the audio, especially about halfway through the audio's quality became a little bit better. That was because um, unfortunately due to some technical difficulties, we had um, a failure recording in the first part of our episode and we had to resort to using Zoom audio for the first part. So that's why you probably hear the quality improve halfway through. We're hoping that w- won't happen again, it sh- really shouldn't, but that's why we always keep a backup of our Zooms as we're talking in case something like that happens. But we just wanna let you know if the all- audio quality is a little bit off. That's probably why. And we just think that we prefer to keep all the content and just have it a little bit shittier sounding than lose half an
0: episode. And that's just, if any of you guys were wondering, that's why. Yeah. So that was a failure on my end, which sucks. I hate that so much, but I'm not the best with technology. So, you know, I'm getting there. I'm getting better. I'm learning. So hopefully that won't happen again. So we wanted to talk to y'all about questions for the episode. So, our very first episode for season one, we asked you. So, as you noticed probably, or if you didn't notice, okay, we're um, showing we're showing our butts right now. That's what <laughs> we're saying. <laughs> last episode we did not have a question so like you know we might take a break we might skip episodes on questions but we still want to learn about you guys we still want to you know try and incorporate as many questions as we can uh without going overboard so i we do have a question for this episode so give us your feedback give us uh your answer to that question later on so you can leave that on a comment
1: when you're reviewing our episode or on any of our social media that we We mention at the end of every single episode, we are always wanting to hear feedback from you guys. So absolutely reach out, answer those questions, or send us your own questions. Mm We're really wanting to Mm -hmm. interact and build this community with you all. So going off of that, something that we do every single episode is talk about the drink of the day. So in this book, there was a lot that happened in the woods and Mm -hmm. the both bad and good. There was... Mm -hmm. blood and different levels of passion. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yes. So today our drink of choice was something that we did not create, but we found online. It is a spin on a sex on the beach cocktail, which is one of my favorite cocktails. And it's called a sex in the woods. And instead of vodka, it is made with moonshine. So very Tennessee of me, <laughs> but it's everything else is pretty much the same. Um, it's moonshine and then peach schnapps, orange juice and cranberry juice are the main ingredients. So feel free, make one, and
0: drink along with us. Um, I definitely am drinking moonshine because I kind (laughs) of have to. (laughs) I mean, it's a fun drink. You know, who wouldn't want to try sex in the woods? So, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and jump right into our summary for chapters 14 through 18. So for chapter 14, Feyre ventures into the woods in search for the surreal, constantly repeating Lucian's instructions over and over in her head. She quickly finds a group of birch trees, lays her snare, and ensures that she is totally aware of everything around her and locates a water source, making sure that she knows exactly how to get to that water source when the time comes for her to need that. So from her tree perch, she starts second guessing her decision to do this on her own, but then her snare catches something. She approaches the surreal and comments that it is more scary looking than she could have ever imagined but they converse a while before she begins asking it her questions. She learns that the only way for her to return home was if she wants to be killed along with her family being killed. She officially learns that Tamlin is the high Lord of the spring court. The Surreal tells her that all of the high Lords are deadly in their own way and that they are not only powerful, but they are power itself. The Surreal also tells her to stay with the high Lord and not to interfere with the blight. The surreal also states to her why she came to see it today, you know, saying that Tamlin wasn't giving her answers, and then he tells her that Tamlin can't give her the answers to her questions, and it's too late for Tamlin, too late for Feyre, and it's too late for the human world. The surreal continues and begins telling Feyre of the King of Hybern and how he is not happy with the treaty, and how he has started his plan to break the treaty and to gain back more of his previous power. But before the Suriel can continue telling Feyre this story, it cuts off and announces that they are not alone. The Suriel asks Feyre to free him and tells her to return to the High Lord's side. When Feyre asks what it is in the woods near them, the Suriel tells her that they are the Naga. That's the end of chapter 14. So moving on to chapter 15, there are four Naga and they regard the surreal as a gift and Feyre as a meal. Feyre notes that she has 10 arrows. She shoots one of them to free the surreal, and then screams to alert Lucian to come and help her. The surreal fled and one of the Naga went after it and Feyre shot it with a second arrow. The other three Naga turned to attack her and she turns and runs. One gets within striking distance and she swings, and she swings her bow at it. It connects with the naga's face with a really sickening sound and takes him down for just a few seconds. When she turns around to run again, she realizes that she's surrounded, and another naga snaps her bow in half. Then one of them throws her to the ground and tells them that they're going to kill her slowly. She grabs her hunting knife and stabs the one that was pinning her down. She stabs them in the throat that Naga then falls to the ground and she quickly gets back to her feet before being attacked by the other two. One seems to punch her in the face and shreds her cloak. And then the second one pins her to the ground again and cuts her arms, telling her that they're going to bleed her slowly. Then a roar sounds through the clearing and Tamlin quickly kills off the last two Naga. She shows her fear of him as he reaches for her, but he quickly loses the scary facial expression and his claws. He then touches her and heals her wounds and tells her that he'd been tracking a pack of them when he heard her scream and found the one naga dead with the arrow in its throat. He asks if he should know what she was doing and tells her to stay near the house when he's called away on business. Feyre thanks him for saving her life and they walk back to the manor together without really talking. Chapter 16. After a long bath, Alice brings Feyre a hot drink And starts preparing her for dinner. Feyre asks if there will be a war and Alice tells her not to ask those kinds of questions. Feyre begins to worry and starts to plan to warn her family. Alice tells Feyre that she knows what Feyre went to trap and that it was a stupid idea. And we learn that Alice has a family. We also learn that Fey younglings are very rare and very precious. Alice tells Feyre to come to her for advice on cereals next time instead of Lucian. At dinner, Lucian extends a half-hearted, coded apology for not coming to her aid. We learn that fairies can lie and that iron doesn't hurt them despite what she had been told in the human world. Tamlin quickly tells her that they had never willingly lied to her in her time with them. Lucian leaves the dining room before dessert, leaving Tamlin and Feyre alone. Tamlin learns that Feyre caught the surreal and is surprised that she was able to do so. He then reveals that he has her list of words that she didn't know how to read, and Feyre tries to quickly leave the room. He tells her that her family are fools for not seeing her for who she was, and that all of her efforts and decisions were made in their best interest. When she says that she doesn't need his help, he comments that if she can kill three Fey and trap a serial, that there wasn't much that he could ever help her with. He asks her if she knows how to laugh, and she says that she doesn't want his pity, and then he offers his friendship instead. We learned that the Fae used to be very close with humans and even went to war for them against the other Fae who didn't like the humans. And we also learned that Tamlin was a child at the time of that war, but if he had been old enough, he would have fought on the side of the humans. We also learned that he altered her family's memories to think that Pharaoh was with a long lost dying aunt, he is keeping them fed and safe. He has also warned them in the glamour of their memories to be ready to leave if signs of the wall faltering does occur. Pharaoh realizes that her vow to her mother has been fulfilled through Tamlin's actions and that she's now free of any obligations she had due to that vow. She then asks Tamlin for paint and brushes and says that she'll paint outside so she won't mess up the manor. At first, Hamlin is surprised that she likes art, but then is very happy and says that she can paint anywhere she likes and that he will get all of the supplies that she needs. She thanks him and he offers to show her the manor's gallery. They agree to meet in two days' time to view the gallery and Faye leaves to go back to her room. On her way back to the room, she thinks of the smile Tamlin just gave her and how no one, not even Isaac, had smiled at her like that before. And then Feyre realizes that she has new feelings for Tamlin, and it causes her to smile. Chapter 17, Feyre awakens from a nightmare in the middle of the night and then hears screaming coming from downstairs. She rushes downstairs and sees Tamlin carrying a screaming fairy over his shoulder. Lucian clears off the table and Tamlin eases the fairy down onto the table. Tamlin says that he was found just inside their borderline. And then the fairy continuously says, she took my wings. Lucian vomits at the sight of the wing stubs on the fairy's back before sprinting out of the room. Feyre moves to help Tamlin as he tries to stop the bleeding. The blood continues to flow from the fairy's body and Feyre asks if Tamlin can use his magic. Tamlin says that at one time he would have been able to use his magic to heal the fairy, but not anymore. Feyre then takes one of the fairy's hands and strokes his hair, telling him it will be all right. Tamlin recites a quick prayer and the fairy takes his last breath. Feyre stays by his side, holding his hand until Tamlin reaches her and tells her to let him go. Tamlin escorts Feyre to her room before going to bury the fairy. But he doesn't leave before asking Pharaoh why she stayed with him so long, even after death, because Pharaoh has never shown love to their kind before. Pharaoh answers because she wouldn't want to die alone and she would want someone to hold her hand until the end. And that is something that everyone deserves. She then apologizes to Tamlin for killing Andres and watches as Tamlin leaves, gathers up the body and then walks out of the manor to go bury him. Then moving on to chapter 18. The next day, Feyre sets out on finding Tamlin to again express her regret for killing Andras. She finds Tamlin and Lucian and Lucian quickly exits the manor, leaving them alone again. Tamlin offers to take her on a ride and she agrees. The three of them, including Lucian come to rest on top of a grassy knoll. Lucian sits on a blanket while Feyre and Tamlin sit directly on the grass a few paces away. Feyre announces that she knows Tamlin is a high lord and then makes a joke at his expense. Both Tamlin and Lucian are pleasantly surprised that she did make a joke. Then Tamlin says he wants to show Feyre something and they walk off leaving Lucian in the glen. He takes her to a pool of starlight and suggests that they go for a swim, already unbuttoning his shirt. Feyre immediately turns him down. Feyre diverts the conversation to Lucian, asking if he was all right after everything that happened the night before. Tamlin then tells her some of Lucian's backstory of how he came from the Autumn Court and pledged himself to Tamlin in the Spring Court because his father killed the fairy that he was in love with. Feyre decides to change the subject again back to the Pool of Starlight and Tamlin suggests that they both take a drink as it's supposed to make you happy till your last breath. Feyre jokes that the entire pool wouldn't be enough to make her happy. When Tamlin asks what would make her happy, she says she doesn't know. So he starts suggesting outrageous things that can make her happy, and Feyre is determined not to give him the satisfaction of seeing her squirm. She changes her mind on going for a swim and strips down to her undergarments. Tamlin's gaze is enough to make her feel like she stripped bare, and he begins removing his clothing as well. Feyre comments to herself that Tamlin's body was completely muscled and all man, unlike Isaac's. While swimming, they discuss how Feyre learned to swim, how her father lost his fortune, and how she started hunting. After a few hours of swimming, they go back to the glen, and the three of them head back to the manor. On the way back, Lucian feels Feyre gazing at him and brings his horse back to ride beside her. She thanks him for his advice with the surreal and says that if he wanted her dead, he needed to try a bit harder. Lucian says that that was not what he intended and Feyre said that she was joking. He says that she can't possibly forgive him that easily for sending her off to the Surreal so unequipped. And she says no, that she doesn't forgive him, but she does understand him. Lucian says Tamlin told him that her first shot was to save the Surreal's life and that he doesn't know a high fae who would have done the same. When she says that it seemed like the right thing to do, Lucian gives her his hunting knife and tells her that he heard her scream, but hesitated to come to her aid. He says that he broke his word and that the knife is now hers and he asked for her not to bury it okay I, you start I, I i'm gonna let you lead <laughs> take the lead where are we go first <laughs> i the plot is really moving right along right now and i am so happy about it you know the first 13 chapters you know not much happened until the fifth chapter when tamlin came in and then after she got into the fairy lands nothing really happened until chapter 14 that's when things start picking up like you know i 14 it's and almost 15. like when you
1: start telling the character information things can happen yeah <laughs> it's, oh it's funny how that works <laughs> right
0: oh my goodness i was so stressed out during 14 and 15 like i was lying in bed trying to read this i think i changed positions reading this like 14 15 times like i just could not sit still i was saying oh shit a lot and you know then alex was beside me going what happened what happened because after i read i tell him what's going on um and i get his take on everything um so but usually he waits for me to in finish reading before he starts asking me questions but because i was lying in bed going oh shit and then like throwing my book across the bed bed for a second um he was like what's going on the surreal really cool i thought he was a cool dude um oh interesting you gave him a gender i was like this is an ethereal nothing you were saying that like it's not a i didn't put any first of all i was just like voldemort <laughs> that's
1: how i a picture because <laughs> they're like ah it's pale and it has slits for a nose i'm like ah yes voldemort uh, boldy Got good old Voldy i didn't place any gender on it because cereal sounds like a more feminine name but it definitely yeah. was described as more masculine i mean mm-hmm. it did, wasn't described as a person to be entirely clear mm-hmm. like it was hunched over with it's spine coming out like
0: yeah yeah it just sounded ugly and intimidating at first They're for a male okay I yeah did, that's where that that's where why i assigned it that gender i guess but um i would have said it <laughs> i would have said a, a
1: gender they not that, like pe- they yeah
0: i would not have like, even thought
1: ugly. of a person
0: <laughs> and, but they gave very good information and when the naga came into the scene it didn't want to hurt her. It just said, free me and run away. Like you get out of here. Just
1: well, don't leave Well, Obviously, me here it die. wouldn't because the naga was just a thing that was about to kill anything that was living. Well, which is interesting True. because it was like you she was a meal. Mm-hmm. The cereal was a present. And I wonder what that meant. To, like, would they like, blackmail, take it to as a prisoner? Because it didn't sound mm-hmm. like it just they just wanted to eat the surreal like what they wanted to do with Feyre right so I just find the dynamics between high and low fey versus the monsters of the fairy world very Mm -hmm. interesting Mm -hmm. because it's almost like where do they draw the line because it seems like all these different types of fey very much have consciousness and the ability to choose for themselves but yet Mm -hmm. they're still treated like monsters who just want to eat until when like the naga was very much having a conversation with they while doing all of those things. yes
0: yes um then the whole naga scene i was so on edge i was you know whenever they were attacking her and following her and you know, enclosing her whenever she was surrounded by three of them, I was just like, oh no, this is the end. This is what you get for going into the woods and being an idiot and trying to trap a surreal. I was thought, I thought the surreal was going to be the problem. Mm -hmm. Turns out that was not a problem at all. Also, Tamlin was super duper surprised that she was able to even trap it. So like I was, I was with Uh, Pharaoh. whenever that whole interaction happened, is it supposed to be hard? Because she made it seem like it was just like, ah, there it is. I think it would have been hard had Lucian not said, oh, it likes
1: chickens, and and here's where it hangs out. Mm -hmm. I think it's, from the characteristics it seemed to portray when she was interacting with them, it very much seemed like it's more of a um, isolated hermit type creature, Mm -hmm. where you have to kind of know where and when to be able to trap it to get the answers to your questions, and that's obviously not going to be in the humans' understanding because the wall has been up for 500 years.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's more how I interpreted that, which I understand why Feyre thought it was like, "Hell yeah, I did it! I can do anything." But I also think it might have been more of him saying, "Like, okay, someone how'd helped you, know? you here. Yeah. yeah, this was a secret only kind of high Fey and people who live here know. Like, yeah, w- how'd you get clued in?" Which that clue, Alice is just like, just give it a new robe. What what is Lucian telling you about dead chickens?
0: (laughs) Also, okay, so we learn so many different backstories here. We learn a little bit about Prithian. We learn a little bit about Alice, which I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, Learn a little bit more about Tamlin, a lot about Lucian, and a little bit more about Feyre. There was a lot of action and a lot of story building in these chapters. Let me explain, because this is what I was trying to
1: articulate that I couldn't on why I didn't like the mural. This is the kind of story world building that I like, where it's Mm -hmm. interactions between the characters. It's much Mm -hmm. more of an active force. Mm -hmm. Do you kind of understand where I'm coming from, where I'm like, this is what I like, therefore that's not what I won't like. I do agree they're both world building, but this was much more my speed and kind of what I look for when I'm
0: Thinking no, about but I think I think it was good to have the mural there so that when the surreal was telling her, like, okay, so this came from this court, this happened in this court, um, I think it was good for her to have seen the mural and know which part mm-hmm. she, that he was talking about. Because I don't think she would have totally understood everything that he was trying to say had she not found the mural first. So I think it was essential to the storyline. It may not have been the best way to tell that story, but I do think that it was essential for her to see it. So she has a map in her mind whenever he is telling her the in Highburn, you know, that's west of here. Anything mm-hmm. could be west of here. Like now that she knows like where Highburn is in comparison to where she is right now, I think that that helped.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I think it works in a lot better now. I just, when I was reading, I'm like, this is the only world building you're giving us, really. That was very frustrating. And now having read more five chapters into it, it's a much more like, okay, I see why you did it that way, but you're doing it this way now. And it all mm-hmm. kind of builds together. That That's okay with me. I'm much more okay with it now. Okay, But I do like some world building. And I want to go back to Lucian because of course I do. But I want to talk about the Naga and the surreal and the puka and all the different lower fey that we've kind of met so far mm-hmm. and it's very interesting to me that they all seem to embody a certain like higher level aspect of the human experience and let me explain because it's hard to take so the naga when the surreal like they're first coming into that little birch tree grove is described as shadow and hate and rot so essentially the darkness of the human experience they so the putka is whatever you desire most. So it's your deepest want, desire. Her, it was her father, her bow and arrow, her escape. The bogey is fear incarnate. And then surreal is knowledge, especially that is most um, intimate or ancient. And it's mm-hmm. all these different things that the humans want or want to have. And mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting. I, I'm assuming she meant to do that, but or maybe I'm just reading into it. And it's just... yeah different lore and just the way lore is built it very much comes to embody all the different aspects of the human experience but that was very interesting to me that i picked mm-hmm. up on
0: but let's i did not pick up on that but okay cool i i mean it makes sense i could i could see her doing that on purpose it i don't think that that would be just coincidental mm-hmm. and i i like to hope and
1: i I at, writers always do research that's why there's always the jokes like are you a writer are you a serial killer when you're googling like if i shoot a man with this type of bullet how long will it take for him to bleed out like yeah. those types of things so yes, like, yes i'm assuming that all of these fae that she has put into this book is very much based on real life lore from different cultures not just i'm assuming the irish celtic folklore
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and I, I think that's really interesting in a good... Sorry, I just spun my glass all around. Um, <laughs> but I think that was just something that came to my mind. I don't know. I I try to find things that make me think like, huh, that's interesting. Even if it's not what was intended, but...
0: Yeah, no, I think that that's great. Um, I want to talk about... I don't know if I messed up this timeline. I don't know if I made some stuff up in my head or... If I just didn't catch on to certain verbiage earlier on, but whenever Feyre is in the 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 pool, the the lake of sun of starlight, or whatever you want to call it, and she's telling Tamlin about her growing up, and she's like, you know, it happened when I like their whole fall from from grace happened when she was 11 that was what she told him in the thing and that it like in the pool but then earlier she said that her mom died when she was eight but her mom was around long enough to see them fall from from grace so i'm confused at the timeline here i don't know if it's something like a error on my part i'll have to look back into it like i'll have to oh yeah make myself a timeline um because she says eight years ago
1: and she's 19 no yeah yeah she's 19 so that would have been when she was 11 but she says she's six or eight when she sees her father's leg get like
0: yes her mom died when she was eight she said that at the end of like chapter eight or something Mm -hmm. like it was the no i'm with you that's weird i yeah i'm glad you caught that because i was talking it talking through it with Alex whenever I finished reading and I was like, something's not adding up here. I'm, am I wrong? Did I read it wrong? Am I just, did I make something up? Um, I'll have to like map it out on a piece of paper, uh, later on and like go back and find the specific points that I was talking about. And then like, she does say she started hunting at 14 more than once she does say she Mm -hmm. started hunting at 14 more than once but i don't know i feel like i'm i I wonder if yeah hear hear
1: me out Mm -hmm. just to try to explain it i wonder if when her father got messed up that did happen as young as we think it was her mother saw them falling from grace and the ships to beirut or whatever it was Mm -hmm. barat I'm pronouncing it horribly wrong, I'm sure. But those ships that got lost, that was kind of the last ditch effort when they'd already lost their house, were starting to live in poverty, but they still had a little bit of wealth left, which is when she she didn't have to hunt yet, kind of. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of like the last fall from Grace where they had to leave that all behind because there was no more hope.
0: I thought that they were already in trouble and like he was trying to fix them. Like what she made it seem like was that her father's ancestors, so like his father and his grandfather, mm-hmm. had already gotten them into deep water, uh, like bad bad business deals. Yes,
1: but they were, all, they were still acting, living beyond their means, I think. Because mm-hmm. her mom was very much hoity-toity all up in right, the yeah. people, that people's face that they were rich.
0: I thought that those ships were supposed to be a last-ditch effort to try and appease all of the people that... Fayra's father's ancestors pissed off.
1: No, I definitely agree. That's yeah, the timeline's very much weird, and it's interesting also the fact that she cannot read or write, which she can. She's learning very quickly
0: at eleven. Though you would have already yeah. learned all that. <laughs> yes, I agree. Even also, at eight, you would have already art- learned all that. She's
1: very articulate as well. Yeah. So her family is teaching her enough to make sure she speaks well and carries herself well, but they. Even if she didn't learn it before then, except for, like, the basic ABCs, maybe. Mm-hmm. Her family still very much could have been like, hey, here's a couple books. Like, books aren't normally very expensive. Mm-hmm. Or if they were so rich before, you could have kept a couple and not have creditors be hounding you for a couple books. Where you yeah. can just be like, hey, let's help you cont- continue to read, you 11-year-old.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought that it was very interesting because let's keep talking about Lucian. I want to come back to the seduction scene later, but let's okay. keep talking about the whole Lucian Tamlin history.
1: Yeah, I was. So essentially, Lucian was just a kind of a whore, but eventually found someone he really loved. So there goes my Andres theory, unfortunately, because yeah, I was not him. That.
0: Yeah, for like a split second they were just saying he found a lover, he found a um, you know, a partner, and they didn't put a gender to them for a hot second. And I was like, Oh, is this like the start of that? And then that just that theory went down the, the drain real quick.
1: Down the drain and murdered.
0: <laughs> Which is really
1: interesting. I thought the aesthetics, because the aesthetics are very much becoming clear between the different courts because
0: Tamlin He's a is, redhead. From the autumn court.
1: Yeah. I thought that on the was nose. great. <laughs> and then the spring court is very much sunshine,
0: greenery, Blonde. mm-hmm.
1: blondes, Tamlin. And then even his bedroom fits the autumn court. So mm-hmm. it, it all makes sense now. But <sighs> father's a dick. I, I can't wait for oh, yeah. me to meet him because <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll have words. <laughs> brothers, brothers are dicks, but I understand why. Because if your father just says, okay, go out and kill each other, then what are you gonna do? You're gonna fight for the power.
0: Also, like, you know, Lucian is one of seven boys and the youngest. Yeah, the youngest of seven boys. And he was growing up in a land where it wasn't the oldest boy is the heir. It's where you earn your right to be an heir. Mm -hmm. So they're obviously gonna be pitted against each other automatically. And it's gonna Mm -hmm. be like last one standing is the air
1: and lucian didn't even want that
0: he yeah. just wanted his lover yeah which he was like oh what's the mating ritual or
1: what did he say i threw it down mating bond what does that mean yeah yeah <laughs> are we in an madeover madeover fanfiction all of a sudden i, I can't deal with that
0: <laughs> wasn't that to be like fertile because wasn't he saying that, that like the mating bond for um in order to have kids or something it's very difficult to have kids so probably yeah. it's more of a mating thing but
1: there's also very much like if you mating bond with someone does that mean that's the only person that you can ever be with after that because it very oh. much sounds like it's not an automatic thing because they said lou should have been with a lot of people mm-hmm. and then he just ha- found the one he loved mm-hmm. and he was waiting for that mating bond to kick in So that will be an interesting dynamic, especially as more humans come in, which I'm assuming will happen beyond Feyre, because she mentions her family way too much for them not to be coming back in eventually. Um, Will that mating bond be possible with fairy and non-fairy relationships, which is obviously
0: where we're heading towards. Mm -hmm. Speaking of her family... What is your opinion on Tamlin altering their memories?
1: Okay, here's my thing. I've read a lot of books with similar backgrounds where it's very much like, yes, to mind control and glam- glamoring, as they call it, is wrong, but it's done for the right reason. So I'm very biased. Obviously, if anyone fucked with my memories, I'd be pissed. <laughs> and I would not be okay with that for any reason even if it was for my own benefit but understands the concept of it and why good people do it so as i so we talked about at tamlin in the last episode right i yeah. honestly don't think this is him being Tots. i think it's yeah. more him being ignorant on humanity's innate belief in um, independence and individuality hmm mm-hmm. I think it's more of ignorance and social misunderstanding in that aspect than him being like, Oh, I'll make them forget that you ever went away to the face so you can be mine. I don't think it's that.
0: Yeah. But yeah, it's it's problematic. I definitely get it. I I also think that it's a little problematic because like when her family does come back in, does that like break the spell of the glamouring whenever yes. she sees them again? It does. Well, that for sure.
1: No, he said there's like loopholes in it. So Mm. he essentially was saying like, if you sent them a letter and said, hey, there's danger, the blight is coming, you need to leave. He left essentially a back door to the glamour where they can remember and realize, oh my gosh, she's right, we need to go. Mm -hmm. So he did leave ways for them to remember all these different things. But I think in his mind, he... Glamored them so they didn't have to live with the trauma right now. It's kind of a when, when if they need to, mm-hmm. it can kick in.
0: Don't know. I don't like if Feyre was their only source of income, only source of food, uh, their only food source in not that she's the food, but she's the only one that gets it for them. Mm-hmm. But, um, why like I think that there's a loophole in the thought process there whenever he says you know oh they just think that you're taking care of an aunt like if anybody is gonna be leaving it's not gonna be her like I would just think that the, like if they thought if they really thought it through they could talk themselves out of the glamouring on their own.
1: Yes but I think one of the main ideas behind glamouring is that it's easier done and this is an assumption that i've made i'm making from other books not anything i'm reading in this book but i think the basis of it is that it helps people believe what they want to believe so that everyone cognitively has biases and i think it plays on those biases so elaine nesta and her father don't want to believe that their daughter their sister daughter was taken by a fae because they killed a fae mm-hmm. they want to believe that she's going to care for an aunt and they're suddenly lifted out of poverty because that aunt is helping pay for their services. So they're better taken care of. First of all, Elaine's never going to challenge that. We already talked about Elaine. There's Mm -hmm. nothing going on up there. Right. Nesta wants to be put in that position of wealth and notoriety Mm -hmm. so much that she won't question that. And the father already lives in my mind with so much guilt of having not been able to save them from that, that he's not going to question it either. So I th- really do kind of think that it will take that letter from Feyre or her coming there. If that happens to break them out of that glamor, but that's just my idea. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the father never believed in the first place and wants to come find and save her. I disagreed with Tamlin on that. Just like
0: she did. Mm-hmm. I don't think he would. I don't it's not that he wouldn't want to. I just don't think that he would have the ability to make it to the wall through the wall and to their 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 dwelling, their palace, their manor, their home, whatever mm-hmm. all without you know a hurting his knee, b getting killed, C dying of regular dying of dying. <laughs> yeah, just. <laughs> Of being you know, a
1: merchant who never had to fend for
0: himself. Yeah, <laughs> like he doesn't he doesn't really understand what base human needs are. Like, would he know to get water? Would he know <laughs> how to hunt? Like would he? Because Fabra's no. <laughs> the only one who ever brought that stuff home. She's the only one who ever do- who ever did anything about it. And honestly, their the only one who ever
1: tried. I think yeah. the most we hear about other the other ones trying is like. Elaine knew how to garden a little bit, and Nessa, Nesta could chop wood.
0: Which, by the way... It's important. If you can garden, why are you gardening flowers and not <laughs> vegetables for no your home. starving
1: family? There's a, there's a head... And I picture yeah. she has a bigger head. <laughs> I don't know Aww. why. <laughs> she's like has babyish features to me, where uh-huh. she's very beautiful, very cute, but definitely big eyes, big head. There's nothing in there. She's just a sweet, naive little girl. And I, like I Rapunzel hope-
0: from Tangled.
1: That's what the, like I picture with brown mm-hmm. hair. But Rapunzel was very smart and could do a lot of things.
0: But I mean, as far as like head- looks, appearance,
1: yes, yes, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah, for sure. But but also, don't like,
0: me. at the beginning, she was very, like, she knew how to cook. She knew how to do everything for herself. But whenever it, she walked out that door, it was like, I don't know what this is. And so I think that there was a little bit of. Who is she right now? Elaine? No, I'm still talking about Tangled. We can.
1: Oh, right. well, she was locked in a tower for 18 I years. I realize that. Her? She's
0: never touched grass before. Then maybe we should compare to Ariel. Yeah. Enough with Disney princesses. Let's get back to
1: what's at hand. I you were saying right. Elaine knew how to cook. I'm like, no, she didn't. She didn't know how to do anything.
0: No, Rapunzel did. She knew how to bake pies and, and mm-hmm. soups and stuff. Saturday morning, the usual morning lineup. Yep. <laughs> Sweep till the floor is all
1: clean. Okay, we're going to get copyright limits. But let's move on. Okay, so... Lucian, yes, very interesting bad story. I think that's a lot of trauma. I understand why he threw up after that when he saw the fairy lose his wings, which was so that was honestly more traumatizing than the Naga to me it was seeing such an in in to her a very inhuman creature and treat him with such humanity and respect of his life that was very that was very touching to me that was mm-hmm. one of the more important scenes to me I think in mm-hmm. this
0: this. I agree. I also yeah. I think it really showed Tamlin her priorities and her personality and like her beliefs deep down whenever she said, you know, I want to go with you to bury him. And he was like, no, it's it's nighttime, it's too dangerous. I can't you know, bury him and protect you. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I thought that it was but And she was still willing to go, even mm -hmm. with that, you know, she was like, you know, I can take care of myself, let's go, I want to be a part of this, and yeah. I think even
1: before that, he was really starting to realize, like, this isn't just someone who murdered someone, she has deep feelings about the value of life, and I think that's when she realized how much she values life, not only human life, but fae life as well, all people's lives, Mm -hmm. because... She held that dying fairy's hand till the end. And even after he had passed away, she was still comforting his corpse, essentially. And that I think that really showed a lot to not only Tamlin, but to us that she was already starting to change after, what, a week there?
0: Yeah. She was already starting
1: to... It's been longer than a week, hasn't it? Oh, maybe. She said it was an indeterminate amount of rides with Lucian. So maybe two weeks i don't think it's been a month yet maybe two or three weeks
0: yeah but how much time passed no it's for the very next day whenever they go swimming in the in the thingy which like why all of a sudden are you just like this guy died let's go bury him next day let's go for a ride to a sexy little place he has no
1: social understanding i thought we went over this he's like oh my my meeting got moved back and i don't have your paint yet and look two other horses you want (laughs) to go on date with lucian let's go (laughs) that also why
0: was lucian included in that that is so awkward like you're just you're like maybe 100 yards away he has inhumane hearing Like, if y'all decided to do anything, you know Lucian was going to be, like, listening right around the corner. Lucian was already listening. I 100% believe Lucian
1: the whole time was, like, laughing to himself over Tamlin. And he's like, why are you guys talking about me? Are you guys going to kiss or what? Which I have in my notes. How you kiss with mask on? (laughs) Because I think we're going to have to come to that pretty soon. Because... We're already getting half naked with each other to go skinny dipping. So I and thinking of other things before kissing, I that have questions. Scene.
0: I hate that scene. I, I was I was super stressed that he was gonna try and like seduce her and like not stop whenever she was just like, I'm not no. Like whenever she took a step back and was like, Let's talk about Lucian. Like I thought that he was gonna try and steer the conversation back. I don't even know, I like I don't remember. I think I blocked out what made her decide, yes, let's do this. Oh, he started asking questions about her, didn't he? Yeah. No, she's she just like, no, nah, I'm like, just going to strip. Yeah. It was to that distract. on top yeah. of like, oh,
1: you don't think I'll do it? You don't think I'll brave enough? I'll show you get naked, <laughs> which I have in my notes. I'm like, I mean, do what you want to do. It's your body. You can make decisions that you want to make, but it seemed very much like, I'm gonna show you by doing exactly what you want, but I think I'm rebelling against you. Is very much the vibe it got to me. I didn't, which like I guessing. had to pause reading it for like ten minutes because I wanted to just like scream because I'm
0: like, what is going on? You guys hated each other like three chapters ago, and now yeah. you're skinny dipping together. Yeah, but like I personally, as a human who is very emotional like i get emotional ties to people shut up i get (laughs) such strong emotional ties to people that like i also i don't adjust to trauma well so like watching that whole scene of the of the fairy dying in such a painful and loud i mean it was just a tragic tragic way to go and Mm -hmm. because she said it was like three like two, three in the morning whenever this whole hap all happened. And if they went at noon for this lunch picnic, whatever, that's less than 12 hours that you've given me to digest and move on from this very, very horrific scene. I ain't feeling sexy. I
1: I totally, but counter argument. What do a lot of guys do when they're feeling emotional? No longer want to feel emotional. They try to get laid. And this is for a lot of people who just don't like to feel emotions. They just It's an easy release of pent-up energy. You don't have to think about it afterwards if you're capable of doing that. But yeah, for normal people who feel emotions on a regular basis, like, obviously, yeah, you take more time to digest it. It's a literary device. It's what they're gonna, like, and also it's like the trauma builds up emotional intimacy and so emotional Mm -hmm. intimacy leads to more sexual situations and in the real world, would this happen? No, but
0: we're in the world of the fate. <laughs> yeah. I guess. I guess I could see how it would have, especially for someone who's been alive for 500 years, you've kind of just like been able to, you know, like you move, you deal with it, you move on or else mm-hmm. if you dwell on it too long, you know, it's going to eat away at your soul or I don't your immortal soul. I, I don't necessarily know that he knows how to deal with it. I think that's, that's something we're coming,
1: coming to that. He he's just trying to build up walls to protect mm-hmm. himself because mm-hmm. all these horrible things that he has to take care of has built up yeah. and he was never trained for this. He was never meant to this. He was meant to just be a warrior in battle and just kill. And that was it. Not to be a Lord of a castle, having to watch people die in his arms.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I Which... understand. I I get it. I just don't, I, I, don't... I don't function that way. Yes. a uh, a very
1: well-adjusted <laughs> person wouldn't. But I'm saying none of the characters in this book are well-adjusted, except maybe Alice. <laughs> that yeah. might be the only person who I think has been to some therapy Everyone else <laughs> needs to go to back to therapy for <laughs> once a week at least, sessions. <laughs> Going back yeah. to Tamlin being a warrior, we got more of his background, and I want to mm-hmm. go back to that. And kind of the background of Highburn that I'm starting to draw connections to. So he very much is the bitch surprise he's the high lord of the spring court oh my gosh i was gonna say that was a
0: question that was not a question for me it's like pharah use your brain (laughs) yeah you're not dumb you can't read or write but you're
1: not stupid like just think for one second
0: (laughs) yeah i don't know what happened there but... but
1: i have a theory which it's very heavily implied so it's not that good of a theory but I think the deceiver from Highborn's king, who essentially lost him the war to take over the human lands over on Parith- the Perithian Islands,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I believe that was either Tamlin or his dad. I think it was Tamlin's dad is what I'm leaning towards, because Tamlin's dad okay. got killed because of it, and uh-huh. that's why Tamlin had to take over as high lord, and it doesn't seem his- he's as connected to other courts probably because of that. Mm. That's my theory right now
0: interesting
1: and that's why Tamlin has more mercy or Mm -hmm. pity i think it's sometimes pity i think it's more turning towards actual care and affection especially towards vera towards humans because Mm -hmm. of what his father did in my in my theory at least
0: yeah that's really cool i didn't I did not come up with that theory, Um, but it makes sense. It makes me want to like go back and read that portion again, just so that like I can see those pieces fall into place for me. Cause that's a really cool theory. I think that that would be a really interesting way for this plot to develop, which, you know, we're making up this entire plot around Basically three characters, Feyre, Tamlin, and Lucian. Mm -hmm. Granted, Lucian is, like, he is a... Emissary. He's just kind of a servant, essentially, I
1: think, of Tamlin at this point.
0: And, but, like, we, you know, you and I have already deduced that Tamlin's not who Feyre's going to end up with. Obviously not. And that would be a really cool way for the plot to go if tamlin's dad is the deceiver and like that's how they fix this blight and like you know that whole deal but where does reesand come in how is his story gonna be better and like i know that people like reesand more than Tamlin, based and he off definitely of like, comes in
1: this book because he is listed in the yeah. names of the back of the book. Which, but we should make it very clear: the reason why we're talking about Rhysand is because we've seen some posts online saying yeah. he should end up with Feyre. We don't know why he's chosen over Tamlin, but that is why we're talking about it. Like, yeah, this.
0: I mean this this book at at this point has been out for six years, so like we were bound to see stuff before yeah. we got to read it, mm-hmm. and no general plot twist or whatever's but I just I don't know like I'm starting to get invested in Tamlin's story so Mm -hmm. like when Resend comes in how is his story going to be better how is he going to be a better match for Feyre not saying that Tamlin's a great match for her but like he's all that we see right now I think that happens in later books
1: in the series I think in this series Resend will come in did I say it right I think I did Mm. and be very much like she finds him attractive but mm-hmm. she's so in love with Tamlin at that point she's not even thinking of him and then Tamlin does something to betray her trust or something like that and then that's when Rhysand becomes a much more viable love interest and i don't i hope she doesn't try to put all of that in this book cuz we're still just getting used to these characters it it's essentially feels very much like domestic fluff right now where they're just yeah. there's like there's the blight going on in the backgrounds like her stole that fairy's wings which my theory is that huh, she's it ex- yeah she's experimenting on finding a cure from the blot and she's stealing different things from different fae to try to that's my oh. theory i have a lot of theories mm-hmm. <laughs> i read i read it all in like two hours and i was just like oh my gosh i have so many thoughts and i couldn't keep reading which is frustrating but that's yeah it's the whole point that we come here yeah. and talk about our theories and then I'm probably wrong, and we'll find out later. (laughs) Find out (laughs) next time.
0: Final thoughts, and then let's get into how our favorite characters fall, and quotes and stuff. Do you have any final thoughts?
1: Just that Tamlin's grown for me. He's a little Mm -hmm. blushy boy. He's socially like, even like (laughs) the last five chapters, he was very much almost possessive and very controlling, and I think he's kind of understood that she can take, like, she killed two Nala. Nala? Naga? Naga. And that's very much not something a normal human would do. So mm-hmm. he's starting to respect her and not being so much like, you have to stay in the house so I can protect mm-hmm. you. So he's he's growing with me. He blushed a couple of times, which I really liked. He flirted, they joked around. I think that dynamics becoming a lot more enjoyable to me yeah. than just them hating each other. It, it actually made me like smile and like laugh to myself a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Which is I hope that continues and it just doesn't get like dark and depressing <laughs> like within yeah. the next five chapters because every five chapters every episode of seems to change so mm, yeah i know
0: it's like okay five chapter the the five chapters before this we were like icy and cold and like don't fucking help me like get away from me all of that and then now we're like oh he saved me okay i can spend time with him all right let's you know let's figure this out like i think I i i put a a weird spin on how I just made that voice let's, sound. I'm let, sorry. Yeah,
1: let's make, make it clear. is not like a damsel in distress. Like, yeah. obviously, she does need to be saved from the not From Naga. four Naga.
0: Like, she yeah. can't take on four. She might take on With two. With no weapons. Yeah. But
1: she's not a defenseless little girl
0: who mm-hmm. needs saving all the time. And my, we don't... Sorry. My last thought about plot was... Mm-hmm. Lucian grew on me a lot based off of his backstory, but he he fell a little bit. But he owned up to it whenever he said, you know, I know that I sent you out there. I heard you scream, but I hesitated. Mm-hmm. I'm glad Tamlin came to save you because I am starting to like you. I am. You are growing on me. But when it came down to saving you, like I said I would, I hesitated. And... He took a step back for me on that. Like I, it's I an hate it.
1: It's an easy lie too. It's an easy thing to say. Like, oh, I was there and I just hesitated. Yeah. If he turns out to be a villain, which true. Lord, <laughs> I hope he isn't. <laughs> I I have attached myself too much to this sassy boy. <laughs> boy with an I, not with a Y. Every time I say boy, I just know that's how it's spelled. But yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a very much a, yeah. Where it's, he is growing, he definitely has the trauma and the backstory where you're like, oh, I understand why you were so upset this happened because you had someone else you cared about ripped away from you. Yeah. But also, that was a defenseless person you almost let die because you were just a little bit angry. If that's the truth. If that's Mm -hmm. the truth. Right, yeah.
0: Okay, so ranking, we only Mm -hmm. have
1: four characters this time, speaking characters. Are we just gonna just go by the four? Wait, are you...
0: Are you – in? so we're not including the cereal in this? Oh, yeah, we can. Yeah. Okay. I don't think they'll ever come back, but we can include them. I didn't, but, I mean, how it falls right now is I have Alice at number one, Mm. just because still love Alice. She's great. When Pharaoh was just like, you know, you don't have family, she was like, you don't know who I am. You don't know what I have. Like, don't base your – you know, like, don't tell me how to feel. You don't know what I feel. You don't know what I've been and the through. And then Pharaoh's looking for a wedding ring. I'm like,
1: you, your family is not because you're married. Yeah, what, right. What hypocrisy are you...
0: <laughs> yeah. Pharaoh, come so, on. <laughs> Alice is sitting high and pretty at number one. Mm-hmm. Lucian's number two. I debated whether or not to put him at number two just because he didn't come and save her. Number three is... Pro- like... I'm inserting the serial here. I don't have them in my notes, but like I'm inserting them here because he was very helpful. Granted, you know, she was literally told if you catch him, he'll tell you what you want to know. But all of his information before they were interrupted was very helpful information and good for her to know. And And true, which it didn't have to be Apparently. Apparently. And which also, like we didn't talk about that, but that pissed me off. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, we'll get to my favorite quotes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, you know, he was, he was very helpful in his information, and he told her, the best way for you to survive is to stay by the High Lord. Go run, stay with him. Those are my best. Don't try and seek out another surreal. It's not worth it. Just stay with him. And he will be your protector, and you will have you will live a long, happy life if you stay with him. Mm-hmm. For is Feyre, I want her to climb on my ladder. I want her to be more of a favorite. <laughs> Beat the surreal, yeah. Come on. My gosh, <laughs> but like I think that no matter what is going on, I would not have the balls or the guts or the gumption to go out and trap a surreal. And.
1: Devil's no matter advocate, what my
0: questions are.
1: Devil's advocate. Maybe that's a reason we should like her more.
0: That's Instead true. of being
1: like, oh, you're so
0: dumb. Be like,
1: You're well, brave- at least you got balls. Yeah, <laughs> essentially,
0: You're a Gryffindor through and through. Oh, um, yeah. You would be a Gryffindor. You're resourceful. Well, I guess that resourceful is more of a... I think she's... She has like puff
1: energy to me. Okay. Like yeah. kind of in the middle.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. Last is Tamlin, which like Tamlin didn't do anything wrong here. Like, he didn't have anything bad go wrong in these or go down in these five chapters. It's just that all of the other chapters are being rounded out and more interesting and more dynamic. Yeah, more dynamic for me. Like, I'm just more interested in learning about them and hearing from them than I am from Tamlin at this point.
1: And I agree with that. I think that's a lot to do. also just the way his character is. I think he's a very guarded person. So yeah. he's going to take some more time to flesh out just because he does very much have his walls up. With I think Lucian do does to a certain degree, but at least he has the social gift yeah, but he to- doesn't
0: pretend to be anybody that he's not, which yeah. Tamlin you know like he can put on a a totally different vibe like he can just put out a totally different vibe and oh yeah he just points. switches
1: like m- modes like a robot like just like you am flirty i am a rock no one can move me View. my claws are out and i'm going to kill anyone it's just there's no transition to each of his character mm-hmm, traits
0: mm-hmm.
1: okay so my ranking is I think I'm going to surprise you here. I think Lucian's number one still. I don't know if that's surprising. (laughs) I like me a bad boy question mark. He's more just like a... a, You thought he was the bad boy? No. He's Mm -hmm. a soft baby who almost died for love. (laughs) So he's number one right now. I think Alice is up there at number two. Hmm. For all the reasons you said, I think she's... Definitely more interesting now that we kind of know why she's working so hard, and she gave a lot of interesting. Like seventy-five years before you become an adult, that sounds like hell mm-hmm. as a fae. And just her saying, like, you should have given him a new robe, and he would have grovelled at your feet. Mm-hmm. Like those are the lines that makes her number two for me. I think Tamlin is Tamlin nuts. Yes, because I have a <laughs> soft spot for people who are socially awkward because i am as well oh no i
0: totally am but i just i would prefer that other people not be because they bring me out of my shell
1: yeah i guess i just feel i feel bad he's the high lord of the spring court and we're like oh this soft little boy that's how (laughs) i am at least so i think he's number three i think that i mean the serials last for me because he was just a plot point for me he's not a character I think he, yes, he gave information, but I have no interest in hearing any him come in for anything else on the information. Like I don't need to know his backstory, so mm-hmm. he's last for me. So I think Tamlin's third, Feyre's fourth. Feyre is definitely growing, and I think, especially now that she's starting to be content at the court in and at the manor, her mm-hmm. being so motivated by her passion and seeing her look at this new world through an artistic lens that's much more interesting to me than the cold very depressing black and white way she used to look to the world before mm-hmm. and that's she's i think she is going to start growing for me and start reaching the top of the charts okay. but i think that's yeah i think that's how i'd place them
0: right now okay what's your favorite quote oh let me get it
1: you interrupted me having a drink but sorry I'll forgive you, so I can say my quote. <laughs> I think my quote isn't the one I was thinking about, where we found out that the fake could lie. Oh, it's when they're discussing her painting. Now that she's come to terms with, it's the first joke that Tamlin makes. Essentially, <laughs> she is saying like, "Oh, I can help work and pay for it," and he says, "You'd be more of a hindrance. It might <laughs> take a few days to track them down, but the paint, the brushes, the canvas, and the space are yours. Work wherever you want. The house is too clean anyway." that made me smile and chuckle and I was like oh they're joking with each other yay they're actually okay a little bit
0: (laughs) I'm pretty sure my quote is almost on the same page as yours but it's not the same it's um so Feyre says I don't need your help and I'm not sure if it's related to um what that was related to but um I really liked Tamlin's response to that and it's clearly not a human who can take down a fairy in a wolf skin who snared the cereal and killed two Naga on her own. They're fools. They're fools for not seeing it. Talking about her family and not seeing her as the asset that she was for that mm-hmm. group. No, that And was I really a good- thought yep. that showed Tamlin's growth in liking her and like understanding her. And I think that Feyre needed to hear that. You Mm -hmm. know, she loves her family. She would do anything for them. Whether or not she loves them, she didn't, they didn't value her. And she felt, you know, she didn't feel loved. And I think that this, that that quote will be very instrumental in her letting go of trying to get back to her family and realizing that, you know, maybe they didn't love me. Maybe they didn't value me. Maybe I should stay here with the person who does. Mm-hmm. and um yeah so that's my favorite quote
1: and just as comment on that because i did take notes on that quote as well or that area yeah is i think he brings up a good counterpoint to that and i think it shows her insecurity that he's very much like no they did love for you maybe it's not not much as they could have and they didn't realize how much of an asset you were but they did love you and i think in her mind she can't understand that she is valuable and mm-hmm. I think that's starting, something that she's starting to learn and develop is her own confidence and how badass she really is. Yeah, Because she did, like, not only kill Andrus, mm-hmm. but kill two other Fae already. Yeah. Like, she's a badass woman, and that's awesome. And I think he's starting to make her understand, not only did her family not see it, but she doesn't see it. And obviously her family always told her she wasn't those things. So yeah. she wouldn't be able to see it that's going to be important that she learns that. And Mm -hmm. I hope she does it soon because a confident woman is a powerful woman. Mm -hmm. And I love confident, powerful women.
0: Yeah. All right. So I think that that is the end of this episode. The final thing that we want to talk about is the question for this episode. We want to know what would be the one question that you would ask a surreal if you had the chance to. What would yours be, Aiden? Here's the thing. I don't think the Surreal is omniscient
1: or omnipotent. No, omniscient is knowing everything. I don't think it is. I think it knows a lot of things, especially about the Fae. Mm-hmm. So my question would be about the Fae. If I was in a situation like Feyra, which I'm imagining I am, is who should I most fear? Who should I most watch out for? That uh-huh. would be my question. Okay. Because if they say her the magical her mm-hmm. then i know okay i can trust some of the other people around me yeah. like lucian and tamlin which they say you can trust the tamlin the high court lord mm-hmm. but if they say lucian then i know who's gonna try to bat stab me yeah i think that's a good question okay in my brain but i also know a lot more than she does so
0: i Would probably flip that around and not say who should I be more wary of. But I'm a very trusting person. I want to believe that the people that I meet are what they say they are, are the people that they say they are on the surface. I want to trust and believe that what they say to me is the truth. So I would probably ask who is it that I can trust? Like Mm -hmm. who is actually telling me the truth? Who is actually not there to harm me? Who can I trust out of the people that I am surrounded by every day? And I think that would have been my question. So not who should I be more wary of or fear It's
1: the optimist and the pessimist.
0: (laughs) It's the same question, but the opposite. (laughs) Yes, the different coin. Like we'll have two totally different answers, but they almost answer the same thing, mm -hmm. sort of. Yeah, yeah. But let us know what your guys' answers are. Yes, I think
1: even if you want to assume the serial knows everything Mm -hmm. about everything within it within the realms of the book, I would think, Mm -hmm. unless you want to ask them, like.
0: Will you be happy? Why forever, are we and here? What is rich? the beauty of
1: life? Like, if you want to ask those questions, absolutely do so. Um, but we we're just thinking, kind of, a, in the context of in Feyris shoes, what would we ask, kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. But feel free. You at the end of this episode, you will hear all our different social medias. Reach out to us on any of those. Mm-hmm. We are. We would love to hear your answers to this or our previous questions. Mm-hmm.
0: And, I think i'm good i feel great about what we just talked about oh absolutely this was great i feel like you know the plot's moving along like we're getting into some high-paced stuff that those five chapters were chock full of information and those five
1: chapters were more double the amount of information we got from the previous 13 yes
0: (laughs) so it's moving
1: along where we've got it yeah i feel like um, this episode we
0: actually talked about plot more than we did like people's characteristics and like their decisions which like mm-hmm. their decisions are part of the plot but like i feel like we were being very very harsh in the first two episodes and now we're because getting we have into nothing it. to talk yeah. else to talk about yeah. that's that's fair but like we're getting into it it's getting good i'm liking where it's going that's I all agree. i gotta say
1: and i'm excited i yes. i'm ready to read more i won't do it immediately after this episode mm-hmm. because I'd like to be sober for reading this, that's but,
0: a good point, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: but it, I don't want to stop after that. Five yes. chapters. I'll say that, but I will because that's what we're doing here. And that's the whole point.
0: Yes. But just know, I don't want to, <laughs> <laughs> well, this was great. We're so glad that you guys came along to, on this journey with us. We hope you're enjoying the book as much as we are. We hope you're as tipsy as we are because believe us, We've gone through an entire, I've gone through an entire drink and a half this episode. Aiden's drink, glass is empty. We're feeling good. So. So we'll cheers our empty glasses. For more information and updates, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Sips and Subtext. If you like what you're listening to, make sure you subscribe and follow us. And if you're feeling extra nerdy, give us a buzzworthy review.